Welcome to God and Dave vs. the Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm just, I'm just unhappy. And that actually has nothing to do with the movie we're talking about. That's just Dave's general disposition. No, I'm just disappointed in us as human beings. And I'm the machine. We'll get into it. Let me get through the spiel. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be 1982. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today we're going to be watching the film. <laughs> you use the word film. Huge air quotes Jesus around that. Christ. Film, <laughs> motion picture. I don't know. Porkies. 20th Century Fox would like to introduce you to Pee-wee and his pals. Tommy, Mickey, Tim, and the biggest man on campus. Why do they call you meat? Because it's so big? When they're not in class, they're into everything. Of course, a big thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue this show and make me not want to gouge out my eyes while watching a movie that I very much disliked. Uh, not to ruin the surprise, everyone. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> you know, the machine doesn't really help us pay for these movies. And each month we do a bonus episode over there. You should be very soon, if not already, listening to our bonus episode on the Japanese film Demons right, over there right. on the Patreon. Yeah, so. the one I've already watched and mm -hmm, we've recorded mm -hmm. about. Now, right? before we get into talking about this week's film, Dave, we do have to advance the storyline. People tune into this podcast. No, coming close to the end of the year. Yeah, we've got to wrap this shit up. Yeah. I know. So, to catch everyone up, uh, here's the stuff that you really need to know. We won't go into the past about how we were had owned this arcade and we're on the run and we took this big rig and have found ourselves into this cabin nice in the woods. Trick. How he's pretending you don't need to know it. And he's you don't giving need you the to know that stuff. Right. You don't right. need to know that stuff. Just remember to save the cat. I'd prefer if you just wrote me out of these podcasts. What you need to know is that the machine, this sentient machine that I have built by mistake, has constructed a time machine apparatus around us to protect us. But our arch nemesis from this season, DDS, DDS, is still outside trying to get in. So I've, I've drilled some holes in the side of the machine here so we can look outside here, Dave. Is that, and Dave. Was that a smart move? You know, I mean, perforating the thing protecting us from the monster outside. You'd think I would know more about technology having, you know, made an automaton such mm -hmm. as I have. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you see out there, Dave? I don't know. It's pretty dim. It's uh, murky. And mm -hmm. uh, is that a shower? What are we looking at? That's. Oh, geez. Did I accidentally go right into the outhouse? That's my bad. That's my bad. If you listened to last week's episode, which you should, you should go back and listen to the Fast Times at Ridgemont High episode. Maybe something I didn't put across 100% is that uh, I had to wrap that up very quickly. We were on a very much of a time crunch, all to do, my fault, uh, with some planning bits. So uh, the end of that episode was a big old rush to kind of fit everything into our recording session. As such, there is one thing that we forgot to do, even though you, Dave, did tell me about it. You do <laughs> say in the episode, hey... This is a first-time director, so we should put her on the list. Mm -hmm, and we mm -hmm. didn't do it. Uh, no, not we. You didn't. I, I Correct. Correct. <laughs> I did not do it. So, just to double back, uh -oh. our rating, I liked Fast Times of Ridgemont High. Dave did not. He said, and this is him verbatim, said it's worse than Porky's. 
It's like the worst coming of age film of all time. And uh, so it averaged to a three is what it, what it averaged out to. And we've rated that on our 1982 list, but on our first time directors list, Dave, would you say that this is better or worse than American Beauty? Worse. Oh, I'm surprised at that, that you would say that Fast Times is worse than American Beauty. How about Play Misty for me? Yeah, I would rather watch Play Misty. I mean, I don't know if I made this clear, Kyle, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a big fan of Ridgemont High. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would not put that cassette back into my VCR. Well, here is what I'm going to do here then, Dave, because I kind of agree with you with Play Misty for me. Okay. Even though I think the middle of that movie is worse than than what Fast Times is, I think I might have more fun with Play Misty for me. So I'm going to say we'll put it above American Beauty underneath Play Misty for me just to be provocative on the internet. So there is currently 19 entries on our first time directors list. And Fast Times at Ridgemont High for Amy Heckerling is going to go at our new number 11 position. So basically dead middle. I feel like if we can last four years, mm-hmm. we should get an honorary BFA for this. we've watched a lot of first-time directors i feel like you know aside from the fact that i remember mm -hmm. nothing which is not different from my Mm. first stints at academic endeavors uh we should get some kind of film degree (laughs) you know i feel smarter i'll contact ryerson i'm sure that there's something whoa whoa whoa. we call that uh you know that's that's a little controversial it's now called toronto school <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember what it's School called. School north of the city. Yeah, it's actually uh, it's it's more in the south, Kyle. Is it south? Fair. I don't know. Never <laughs> never been there, so I wouldn't know. Whatever they changed their name to, Helen was displeased. Not that she has an affectation affection for Ryerson itself, but it's really awkward. It's like, well, the, the, honestly, can I just say there's this push? This is going to be huge, like boomer energy i'm about to put out here even though i'm nowhere near being back a in my day i went to a high school in my small little town and it, and it was called will sinclair high okay. school okay okay now i don't remember who will sinclair was no. just dead before i was born sure whatever but then when they built the new high school there's this thing that I feel like people are compelled to do nowadays, which is like, we have to feel, sound austere and like we're important and we can't put a person's name on this. So instead, it's going to be called West Central High School. Nice. And I think it's like the comic. Yeah, dumbest name <laughs> in the entire world because it's so nothing. Well, it's not even, I would even have more respect for it if it was just one direction. It's West <laughs> Central. So we can't even commit to the West. Yeah, you didn't grow up in a big town. So it mm-hmm. is not pretentious, but silly. Like I went to a high school called North Toronto Collegiate, but it was literally in North Toronto. And beside us was a school called Northern Secondary, right? So oh it's a little bit different because there's lots of different high schools there. Uh, a lot of them are named after their boroughs. Burra. But if you're in a one pony town in Rocky Mountain House. See, that's what they should have called it. One pony high school. <laughs> why can't we just name it after things? Why, why does it have to be well, like nondescript directions? Well, it, it's just, a, I, I would think it would make sense if it was urban density. You know, you always <laughs> name the first, first school. There's a, probably a Sir John A. McDonald, like in every town. Do you go to urban density? Yeah, man. Hard teachers there. I never went to school because I'm not a nerd. All right. Well, we do have to talk about a movie here this week, Dave, possibly under duress. What is your history with director Bob Clark? 
Nothing. I mean, I'm sure I've seen something. I will almost guarantee you've seen one of his movies. Yeah, Let me yeah. just go through this. This was an interesting part of his career. We'll get into this a little bit in the, the background information. He started in schlock, horror film, kind of B-movie territory. Really? Because yes. this doesn't... This well, yeah, is so this elevated, right? But the man who made Porky started with schlocky, schlocky Gosh. B-movies. Would then make a pretty pivotal horror film... Also, technically a Canadian film, which stars Margot Kidder. That's Lois Lane, right? Yeah. From Superman? Yeah. Stars Margot Kidder called Black Christmas. Black Christmas, 1974. A lot of people will point to as being really the thing that should hold like the mantle as quote unquote like the first, not serial killer movie, but like how Halloween basically broke through and was slashers. Okay. Made like the, yeah, made slashers be like the biggest thing in the eighties. People think that it should go to black Christmas because it does all the things that, that to Halloween is often said. It was the first American film to do. It actually all happened in Black Christmas first, just that nobody went and saw it. No one saw this movie. <laughs> no one should have seen this movie, but we'll talk I have, about I that have too. seen Black Christmas. Okay. And I do actually think it's legitimately creepy. For me, it is legitimately creepy. There's literally this one moment, which is like, was my biggest fear growing up. Rats. Actually, sorry. My second biggest fear <laughs> growing up, which is someone hiding in my house, like mm. me coming home and not knowing that they're there and they're going to jump out and get me. And uh, she's Margot Kidder. I think it's Margot Kidder who walks in the door. And she looks over to her left and like the crease, like when you open a door, there's a little crease that on the oh, hinges. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And you can see that the guy's eyeball is right there looking that's at her. Nice. He's right behind the door. I'm like, oh, that's terrifying. I'm never going to go into a room ever again in my entire life. Uh, anyways, unfortunately, Black Christmas. Yeah, the world is full of rooms, which sucks. Yeah. Which sucks. After Black Christmas, even though it doesn't do amazing at the box office, it does get some attention from Hollywood. Okay. And he makes a play to do more adult, austere, I guess, films. And it actually does work out for him. He does this film called Murder by Decree, which is a Sherlock Holmes movie that stars Christopher Plummer. And he does this other movie called Tribute in 1980, which stars Jack Lemmon, wins a bunch of Genie Awards. Nice. Again, this is a Canadian filmmaking uh, award show. I don't even think Canadians know what a Genie is anymore. I don't think so either. Honestly, most most of them would never hear it. Or a Juno. Like, nobody gives a shit. No one cares. Yeah. No offense, uh, but Canada. Jack, Jack Lemmon would be nominated for an Academy Award for that movie as well. So it was like respected, right? And then he decides, you know what? Fuck it. Going back. Going back to my schlocky ways. And so Porky's is his follow-up to this like movie that was winning Oscars or being nominated for Oscars. And he follows this up, by the way, to just say, with a movie that probably you've seen or at least know the iconography from, which is A Christmas Story. Like, oh, that's yeah. his follow-up to this. And can I be the sole yeah. dissenter? I think that movie's so fucking overrated, right? People are so obsessed that this is the greatest Christmas yeah. movie ever made. I think it's garbage, frankly. And when you wow. said that they're connected, you can tell. Cultural roots for Porky's and Christmas Carol come yeah. from the same lifestyle choices, let's say. It's the same people. I've always felt bad because I, I'm, I'm probably not as negative as you, but I've also been a bit bewildered my entire life about why people love A Christmas Story so much. Because I watched it like literally at the right time as yeah, like an eight-year-old, nine-year-old yeah. kid. And I was like, can I watch Home Alone again? Like, right. This is, like, I don't get it. I don't understand why everyone loves this movie so much. But Stupid anyways. people, angry people. I mean, the licking the metal pole. Right? Yeah, that's iconic. probably the thing. The sled going, yeah, like, the, that's the big thing. Shrug. Shooting his eye out with the with the gold gun BB thing. Gun. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, anyways, that's Bob Clark. So you don't really have much. They're making another one. Are they really? Yeah. That oh, kid is going to be a grab. I saw a picture. I don't know. It's going to be called like an, another Christmas. I movie. truly don't understand this new thing in, in Hollywood doing sequels to movies that are 40 years old. Just, like, I just don't fundamentally understand. Hollywood's having a midlife crisis. That's what's maybe nothing like having a midlife crisis when you're over 100. So you don't have a huge affinity for Bob Clark. No. How about this movie, Dave? You must have watched Porky's before. <laughs> well, in a semi-spoiler, because obviously we've watched it, I thought I had, right? Mm. And I, in my mind, I had this picture of, um, I think I was thinking of Revenge of the Nerds, frankly. When yes, I was thinking there's of a lot of Revenge of the Nerds, in the, uh, which came later. Yeah. But. And then I was thinking about Meatballs, and then I looked at it, and I was like, no, Meatballs is the summer camp one, which I, I feel like they're all kind of the same Right, teenage boy thing, right? Well, this this did jumpstart this whole craze Genre, thing, right. right? Like, this does so well, spoiler alert, at the box office. Fucking insane. That there was like, yeah, we're going to do the summer camp version, the this version, yeah. the this version, that is basically Porky's, but in a different setting. Yeah. I feel like Meatballs might have been earlier, but like, didn't you get the vibe that this is basically his version of Summer of 42? Not, I know you keep you texted me this and no. not really because I don't see Summer of 42 as being this gross out or that's not what its intention no, is. No, I don't mean, I don't mean like his approach, but this idea that a writer wanted to take his alleged experience as a horny teen. Oh, that's not even up for debate. It, that is literally what this is. No, I know. He said that that's what it is. But that's, you know, it's just that as much as we thought Summer of 42 is so boring, at least it was dealt in a reasonably a class i don't know classic yeah. narrative form and not just a bunch of hicks running around trying to sure i, well, I don't even know what they're doing oh, we'll talk about okay it. well we'll talk about it. We, we haven't technically watched the movie here yet Dave. well look the counter says 17 minutes we're gonna wrap this shit up we we've given ourselves a challenge <laughs> I want to talk. we want to be done within 45 minutes because we both don't really want to talk about this movie but um <laughs> sorry yeah so i didn't i don't think i've watched it i, I thought i did but i think i, was I have Reggie never Lewis. watched this movie front to back ever although i do know the kind of the famous i guess um bathroom scene like them peeking through mm. and looking at the naked women sort of thing this girls. is how we can say I don't know, I, there's, there's no way i can prove this so you can send in your email saying that i'm this white knight that i'm just projecting <laughs> that i'm pc culture <laughs> okay I never enjoyed this stuff, even as a teen. I never liked the idea of people like peeking in on people oh, unawares yeah. and thinking it was quote unquote funny. Like that's what the setup is. Like, oh, is it hilarious that these boys are doing this and boys jerking off and boys. like think yeah. it's so funny? And I was like, I but isn't that mean? Like, I don't know. I was such a weenie growing up that it was just never a thing that appealed to me. No, it's not weenie. I think the problem with gender coding is that. There's an inherent violence in it, isn't there? So the idea mm -hmm. of being a boy is not about going, I mean, it can be about going on adventures and this sort of proto whatever masculine thing, but it's also about this violence against not just women, but everything. Boys playing is hitting each other with a stick. Oh, boys will be boys. No, that's fucking psychotic. You know, your kid right, is a right. fucking monster. And by you rewarding that behavior, you're encouraging them to continue testing the limit of how many people you can hit with a stick until someone gets upset at him. I think that's insane. And uh, this is, I, to your point, I've never understood the fascination with, uh, I mean, unless it's in porn, right? If we're going to go mm. all the way into that area, then, you know, there's no limit when we want to scrape away at the idea of sure. not perversion. I mean, that's a little judgy, but you know, whatever people are into. Yeah, normalizing that all boys are so horny and all they want to do is look at a girl's butt. I mean, guys are horny, but it's not like I 
They want to sneak in the back wall of a shower room. It's fucking weird, man. This does go back to our Ridgemont High discussion last week. Again, something that I appreciate about that movie is that it showed, you know, women can be horny too. Like right. this, this is not like a one sex is horny and one is frigid. But it's also, I mean, to really put this into, a, a, I guess, a modern lens, a family member who I'm not going to name. But let's just say I got into a bit of a tiff with here recently okay. because of this very topic of this like, well, you know, like little girls shouldn't really be wearing oh, yeah. dresses. I'm like, well, shouldn't boys just be told not to? go and slap them like i don't know like it just feels weird that it's always put upon as like well the girls shouldn't be doing this to entice the guys to come over it's like we could also just say guys don't be jerks like that could be the messaging too i don't know i mean there's a lot of i was reading i don't know if it's a soccer player or actor but you know there's lots of stories about this stuff sexual violence at its extreme like this movie is not really about sexual violence but it's kind of uh there's a seed of it because how many people, like, what did this movie end up making? Let's just rush it. Like, what, what was the total box office for this piece of shit? It made $160 million okay, in so, 1982, which adjusted for inflation is $492 million. So what does that tell us about American culture, Kyle? Right? <laughs> is it any wonder we're living in the Harvey Weinstein world? Right? Mm. Th- this is a culture that fucking worships sexual violence. It's kind of crazy, man. This is supposed to be technically not a kid's movie, but, you know, oh, all the teenagers should go out and make out at a drive-in watching these fucking hicks just be pieces of shit for 90 minutes. And uh, people bought into that, man. They spent a lot of money. T- there's two sequels. It's shameful. There's three sequels, Dave. <laughs> it also accentuates the point of, this goes back to Million Dollar Duck, actually. And I think there's another movie we talked about this year as well. Giorgio? It's just, I guess, it, like, sense of humor is so hard to encapsulate because it's, again, you either find it funny or you don't. There's kind of no nuance sometimes in that. It's like, you find this funny or you don't. And apparently, for a good portion of time in American culture, it was, like, the most hilarious thing to watch people fall into water. And I sort oh, of yeah. don't get it. <laughs> I oh. don't understand it. It's like, I think the first time you see that is when they first shot moving pictures. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's how tired this trope is. I'm pretty sure whenever the first moving picture is like 1912 or, you know, silent film with like the horse is like 18 something. There's probably the first thing with a person was them falling down in a puddle or something. So, you know, that tells you the intellectual clout that this film carries, that that is a major, major piece of the i don't know it's not a pratfall but physical comedy yeah. is people keep falling into a swamp and it's a great time kyle a hundred million dollar great time 160 million dollar great time 160 so, million jesus let's do this let's put our intellectual prowess to the test we're gonna go take a break we're gonna go thank some sponsors and, and then, then when turn we it return off. Yeah. we are going to <laughs> speed run through a conversation about porkies the good thing there's no background in this anyway so i'm ready Dave, if you had your own club, let's call it, out in the middle of nowhere, what would you call it? Oh, gross. Uh, like, what kind of, like, what are we doing? Like this? I don't know. It's up to you. You're the one who just opened up this club. Yeah. Uh, a club, well, a club has so many different meanings. Like, are we in a shack or is it a discotheque? A club. Oh, these are weird I, questions. I said club, but I don't know. An establishment of some kind. Yeah. A place for people to come. Oh, look. What are we doing at this? A coffee I have so clash many questions. or something like that. A what? Coffee clash? A coffee clash. <laughs> Just call it beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. People like me, Kyle, do not go 
to roadside stops, man. <laughs> See, that that's my privilege, Dave. I am a white male. I can literally stop at any roadside attraction and be like, well, nothing bad's going to happen to me here. So I think I've told you the story before, but I, uh, one of my old friends uh, hitchhiked across America, uh, Canada. And when he came back, he was like, oh, you need to go. And I was like, I don't think I'd make it out of Northern Ontario. <laughs> I'm going to say, <laughs> there's no way I make this out of Thunder Bay. And like, he, there's yeah. just, there's just he, no like, way. He looked, he looked at me, he's like, no, no. And he's like, mm, you know what? Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> uh, he got some rides with some folks um, who said some stuff. Can you imagine what it's like now that they're allowed to talk about it? I didn't think you appreciated cancel culture, Dave. Um, okay, so... This Conde versus the Machine, of course, is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. This episode, Dave, yes. is brought to you and us okay. by Park Power, oh. your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but also local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. I have bad news for you, Dave. Oh, wow. I have bad news for you. I'm already upset. Not only is Doc Ock running amok in our city. <laughs> A strong Spider-Man flavor. Okay, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you, Doc Ock. But, uh, but winter might be coming. <laughs> He says that it's negative 20 degrees Celsius outside. Yeah, if you're not in Calgary on the 9th of November, uh, mm -hmm. you don't realize how fucking cold the last three days have been. And mm -hmm. uh, I went out, I had my car outside, Kyle, for 45 minutes and I couldn't open the windows because they had frozen <laughs> shut. <laughs> Luckily, I have no indoor heating, so it's always outside for me. Wow. So anyways, winter is coming and energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure that they are on the best plan. Albertans have a choice who they pay their utility bills to and Park Power is happy to provide free, no obligation comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy and you can feel good knowing that you are supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your Wow. wow. And you can feel good. <laughs> no, yeah, keep going. No. It's good. It's good. I thought it was ending and the sentence was not ending. And you can feel good knowing you are supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Dave, what do you have for me? Ooh. Let's talk about Alberta Blue Cross Group. Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business, it's tough, Kyle. It's tough. And they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. I mean, it's in the name uh, or in the word mm -hmm. busyness their busyness they're busy in their busyness let alberta blue cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan they offer health dental life and disability coverage for your employees did i say that weird for your employees 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 alberta <laughs> sorry now i'm just like alberta blue cross group <laughs> Alberta Blue Cross Group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. All right, Dave, so we have taken the plunge right into the center of Porky's. Gross. Myself for the first time. I guess yours for the first time, I think too, so. basically. I don't remember. Yeah. I disavow all knowledge. <laughs> Let's just create a scenario here very quickly. Let's say that uh, you and I have decided that we're going to go 
and uh, take a, a weekend jaunt out into the country. Like, I'd rather watch a weekend at Bernie's, right? <laughs> that probably holds up better than this. And I look over and it's like, there's a barbecue stand over there. Let's just let's just pull off the side of the road. Oh, and yeah, you're like, uh, absolutely barbecue. not. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> so we go in, we, we, we're parked. And before we can do anything, a man, a rotund, a rotund man in a yes. huge sweating. cowboy hat, sweating, <laughs> strolls up to us. Clinking and clanking Have with his belt. Have you heard meat sweat or is that a Toronto thing? He leans over onto the car window. Oh, God. Smoking his stogie and he throws a VHS copy of Porky's on your lap. Just folds of fat pressed against the windshield. Yeah, it's great. There's a VHS copy of Porky's on your lap. He's like, son, what's Porky's about? <laughs> and he throws his cigar, cigar right in your face. Yeah, I would just be like, you. It's a biography about you. And your shitty right. life. I mean, I would love to just say, don't watch it. But, you know, what, what would you say, Kyle? Uh, um, it's about a group of kids who are trying to get one of their friends to lose his virginity. That's, that's, that's basically Yeah, that's one of the about. plots. Yeah. King Quatrell's in it to get laid. Yeah. Only took it because she needed the money is what her claim is. I mean, she, if, the movie, if the movie around what her character did didn't exist, could that well, have been the movie would not change. I'm just saying, would, could her role have been put into a better movie? Probably, because it has nothing to do with the actual film at all, right? Well, I mean, not to delve too quickly into this here, but I mean, like, that's of the many different issues that I'm going to have with this movie, that's probably like the 15th on my list is I don't really even understand why it's called Porky's. Other than the obvious illusion that that sort of vaguely sounds sexual, I guess. I don't know. Because that plot line of them going to the Porky's establishment is... 10 minutes out of this entire runtime of I mean, 90. It, it feels the physical climax. Ew. Mm, right? Sure. Meaning the climax of the film in terms of their big confrontation, but who gives a shit? I'd have issues with having that many actual pigs roaming through my bar. What did you think about this movie, Dave? Uh, it was garbage. I, I watched it uh, on the internet, so I had the ability to start scrubbing because mm. uh, in the first three minutes it's like so offensive racist misogynistic fucking just garbage it's shot poorly it's acted poorly there's no redeeming quality i let out probably three sighs and a groan in the first three minutes <laughs> <laughs> and then i just started getting really angry i started cataloging them after a while i was just i can't remember the last time they said this used to happen more in 1971 but like after the after i finished it i watched this 90 minute movie in an hour I paced. I was so upset. I was like doing laughs in my condo. And Helen's like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm okay. Because I'm like really angry that this is so popular. If it wasn't so popular, I don't think I would care. We could throw it out. At least in 1982, they love this movie. Jesus yes. Christ. So I thought uh, it should be burnt. Dave, you know, you know me. Oftentimes you make fun of me or chastise me on their show about looking for the silver mm -hmm. lining mm -hmm. of looking for the good and things like, well, well, what about if we look at this angle? So this is kind of an interesting thing. I fucking hated this movie <laughs> to such a degree. And, and Dave knows this because I watch a lot of terrible stuff by choice in, in my life. And I, <laughs> I texted you on the couch. I'm like, I made it three minutes in. I have to stop. I can't, I just, I just can't watch this. <laughs> and I took a walk. I oh, went to man. bed, in fact, and had to come back to it like the next day. This 90-minute movie, movie, I did not do it in an hour. I watched it in real time, quote-unquote. But it did take me three attempts to get through this entire thing. I took a bunch of different breaks. Yeah. I was like, I can't, can't sit here anymore with this oh, stupidity man. that's going on. As with anything, 
I could put up with, that's going to sound really bad. It's like, I can excuse the racism. I can't excuse the racism. But that's about what I was about well, to you, say almost. You can code it within a time, right? Like if we watch the movie about yes. the 30s and someone, like we watch Casablanca and the only black character is playing a piano. It's like, mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, that's of its time. Should we be upset that Sam's kind of like, but Sam still has character, right? He's still, well, that's the thing. has charisma. So. There's still charisma. There's still character to that. Probably the better example is like a movie in the 30s and then has blackface and like, right, oh, right. oh, that sucks. But the rest of it, the, the, there's other stuff that is like funny or the jokes land or whatever it happens to be. This has none of that. It no. really doesn't. No. In fact, I was trying to scratch my brain. It's like, is there a modern example I can think of that is doing this better? The one I came up with that we had a short conversation about off mic is it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which mm. also has like racist, misogynistic, homophobic things said. However, however, one, there's a better construction to the characters and where they're coming from. But B, I'm also technically not rooting for those characters to quote unquote win. Like they're always shown to be the stupid people in the argument like they're just awful awful people i get that other people don't find humor in that i personally do well it's because of the implication go it's because of the implication and the fact that i <laughs> that i do love rum ham that's at least intellectually self-aware yes right yes that's what i mean yeah. it's so it's self-aware enough to know like these characters are pretty awful right yeah they're and not human beings like, it almost feels like isn't this hilarious these kids doing this stuff i'm like no it's not no. The worst scene for me, she's coded as a butch lesbian oh, gym coach. The teacher. Yeah, the coach. Uh, talking about how she wants like the penis lineup to happen. Yeah. And yeah. all the men in the background are uproariously laughing. And like, nothing is worse than people like losing it over something I think is so stupid and dumb. Yeah. And it just started to grate on me. Oh, I scrubbed that shit. I can't. I can't. I want to punch my television screen because of this stupid, stupid movie. You know, I know this is a bad comedy call. I was doing the 10 second scrub. I missed nothing. <laughs> right and it goes on that scene with uh whatever her name is like that's a shit joke that easily five five minutes maybe six minutes of her it goes demanding on for a while to like inspect teenage boys dicks and like i kept scrubbing because so i'm like okay well let's just get to the next part because i don't think it's funny i'm like oh they're still trying to hold in their uproarious laughter because she keeps wanting to touch dicks oh they're still going oh they're still going oh it's still going <laughs> Oh my God, they're still, it, it's just awful. It's, it's just awful. So what do you want to talk about, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> like, I do have things written down here. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Like, there's three minutes where it is extreme misogyny and extreme racism. It's crazy. You get the trifecta later on with also being homophobic. Yeah. So that's great. You, you hit all three. So congratulations. Right. Yeah. They hate black people. They hate Jews. They hate women. They hate gay people. Oh, yeah. Uh, they hate small towners. I mean, they're small towners who are obsessed with making fun of other small towns. Like, it's just riddled with a bunch of pieces of shit. But like Kyle brings up the difference between this and let's say something like Sunny. I mean, whether, again, you like Sunny in Philadelphia or not, is that you're supposed to care about these little pieces of shit. Like, they're supposed to be good guys. I liked when that one guy fell into the water. Well, especially because... Pee-wee, who is, I, I, don't, I don't think he called the main character. I don't think he's technically the main character. He is so obviously, at least for me, is so obviously modeled after Richie Cunningham from Happy Days. He has the same hairstyle. He kind of looks the same. He looks like a young Ron and Howard in, in many cases. But I think it's like, it's Happy Days, but R-rated. Isn't yeah. that fun? And Because, yeah. of course, this is doing the American graffiti thing, where it's not taking place in 1982. It's taking place in 1962. Which is even weirder, right? So, obviously, this is going back to a the director slash writers time growing up of 
of all the hijinks I guess he got to do. This is the same problem I had with Christmas Story. It's this nostalgia from this narrow lens of a piece of shit. I mean, I don't know. Uh, what's the director's name? Bob Clark. I don't want to speak too well of him. I don't know his, him, right? I know. But, but he, uh, he, he wrote had a very it. tragic end, so I don't I really- I don't care. <laughs> he wrote it. He directed it. Kyle, this is the world he sees. And that's what's crazy, is there's actually a through line between those two movies. I haven't seen the other ones, but I'm going to guess that that through line's there too, which is not just what we would term white privilege, but he's just a piece of shit who grew up doing whatever the fuck he wanted- and now he makes movies about it, you know, nostalgic. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's Roger Ebert's review that says like this movie hates women. I yeah. think that he says that straight up and writes it. The other thing that is in other modern reviews from 1982 is like the really weird, the really awful way that this depicts like anti-Semitism mm -hmm. of being like, you know, if, as long as you help some guy stand up to his dad, then anti-Semitism is solved forever. I'm like, no, he beat up someone because he was Jewish. It yeah. doesn't get solved by being like, and you can stand up to your dad, fella. Yeah. I don't know. It's just such a pat wrapping up of that extreme violence that we've seen earlier in the in the film that's like i don't i don't feel like you've earned this well, this resolution in this film they spend, especially when most of it's made up of of like masturbation and erection jokes yeah they spend two minutes dropping hard end bombs all over this thing because they're going to play a practical joke where they found the only black character in this film like it's cast for an ogre to make a practical joke that he's gonna kill everybody because they think it's funny i mean it's it's if you get upset I think about, uh, what's that great movie? Rhett Butler and uh, Scarlett Harrow. What is that? Uh, Gone, Gone with, the, with wind. the Wind. So we look at Gone with the Wind, we get upset because the slaves are depicted as being happier, more content than the sure. free black people. What are we going to think about watching the first 10 minutes of this film? Right? Right. It's, right, it's right, right. insane. It's like, it's brutal. And like you're saying, we're supposed to cheer on for these kids. So the, I, I'm overusing this term, but the coding, the programming, the message is that this is okay. That it is funny because they got an ugly black guy to play this part. So you actually think it's good. I, I, there's no, there's nothing in it. There's no heart. There's no intelligence. Yeah, there's nothing. I, 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 I think it's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's a terribleness is that there's nothing that ingratiates me to these characters. There's nothing that they do that's, for me, not, 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 there's nothing interesting. But more than that, I don't think there's anything that I would ever want to be like, yes, you did a great job. You're doing a great thing here. To go back to our earlier part, like before the break, what this is truly feeling like it's saying is like, hey, as long as you do get off at the end, all of this stuff can be forgiven. Even like the weird thing with his, like his own sister, I forget what the character's name is because it doesn't matter what the character's names are, is like, well, we technically did the thing we're supposed to do. So now you get to have sex with my sister. And <laughs> she kind of has, is forced to go and have sex with a person. It's just so weirdly plotted, structured. And even in 1982, this stands out as being something like, this feels really regressive. You know, I, I remember what I was, I mean, this is a bit of a dark turn, but uh, so I remember where I was reading about sort of these uh, predator problems. There's a, there's a lot of trials right now with famous soccer football players. There's mm -hmm. one in particular. Um, where this guy's on trial for being essentially a serial rapist. He's like pretty young. What? But in one of the court documents, someone transcribed for Reddit, actually I'm beginning to realize it's this movie. His perception of what he does is a comedy. You know, he's like, well, we were at the club and I asked this guy, my friend, if I could sleep with his girlfriend. And he said, yes. So I took her to her room and gave it to her type of thing. That's mm -hmm. what this movie is. It's like this director and writer lived in a world where him and his bros do whatever the fuck they wanted and so when he nostalgically remembers a time when he was so free it becomes a comedy when this is actually kind of a disgusting 
story. It's like there's it's reprehensible, right? Yeah, Not- you don't change much of anything, and this becomes like a horror film. Yes, like, very very quickly. Absolutely, mm-hmm. or like a I psychological mean- thriller or something. You could you could just turn one screw, and it's just psychotic people running around harming each other. And instead, this is psychotic people harming each other. But you're supposed to laugh. I'm probably being too sensitive about it, but fuck this movie. Yeah, I have to say fuck this movie too. I will say, you do get to see brief penis. So, I <laughs> guess of. that's something. <laughs> Prosthetic, yeah. As it's being pulled out of the wall. <laughs> yeah. You know what they say, we'll always have penis. So, let's do some quick backstory here, Dave. This opened up technically November 13th, 1981. And you might say, well, why are we talking about this if it's from, we're talking about the year 1982. Kyle's a masochist. Yeah. Yes, it quote unquote, open in 1981, but only in two small cities, one in Colorado, one in South Carolina. I think just to test the waters, it did not get a theatrical release until March 19th of 1982, where we got one to become the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. It is rated currently 2.7 on Letterboxd, has a 6.2 on IMDb, has a 40 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes from 38 critics, it sits at 34%, and from 50,000 plus users, it sits at 57%. So it's a certified unfresh movie. Pretty high numbers, in my opinion. Because I think somebody liked it. Oh, yes. (laughs) Available on DVD and Blu-ray. Currently available to purchase or rent on iTunes or YouTube. And in Canada, you can stream it on Tubi. Its budget was 5 million Canadian dollars, as far as I could tell. Pennies. Uh, And we're going to make $160 million. The plot description from IMDb is, in 1954, a group of Florida high school guys try to help their buddy lose his virginity, which leads them to seek revenge on a sleazy nightclub owner and his redneck sheriff brother for harassing them. Yep. Okay, so it's time to play everyone's favorite game, Guess That Tag. This is what I put on Blazer. I'm speaking to a microphone. Yeah, just go, just go. We're, is, we're sing too long. Is, we're at 45 minutes. Let's roll. Let's roll. This is, uh, you know, you go to a movie theaters, you see posters, and they have taglines on them. Dave, the, one of these is real. Two of these are fake that two. I made up. Yeah, so, two. Was, what was the tagline? <laughs> Your tummy will be sore from laughing. Is it, keep an eye out for the funniest movie about growing up ever made? Or is it, you'll find it hard not to laugh? Oh, God. I think it's going to be two. Let's, let's say two. I don't know. You are correct. Keep yeah. an eye out for the funniest movie about growing up ever made. Jesus. I am actually still looking for it. So I guess that <laughs> is a proper tagline. The stars Dan Monahan as Pee Wee, Mark Harrier as Billy, Wyatt Knight as Tommy, Roger Wilson as Mickey, Cyril O'Reilly as Tim, Tony Ganias as Meat, and Kaki or Kaki Hunter as Wendy. I didn't look anybody up. Do you- I don't care. Yeah, okay. Move yeah, on. No. Can I just say one yes. small thing? Yes, of course. The the younger male coach yeah. who does have sex with um, Kim, Kim Cattrall mm-hmm. is Boyd Gaines, and I have seen him on a Broadway stage. Oh, good for you. In his Tony-winning role, actually. Nice. So, he is actually a good actor. Well, I mean, I'm, I hate Sex and the City in principle, but I don't think mm. Kim Cattrall is a bad actress, right? She deserved no. better than this. Although I have seen Mannequin, so... Uh. <laughs> well, I just... I, I'll always stand by a Big Trouble Little China. <laughs> oh, sure. Her, yeah, as yeah. a crowning achievement. Where's that sequel? It's coming. For sure, it's coming. Yeah, for sure. Once uh, John Carpenter decides, you know what? Fuck it. I'm coming mm-hmm. back. Bigger Trouble and Littler China <laughs> is probably what it's going to be called. <laughs> Cinematography was by Reginald H. Morris. His top four on IMDb are this movie... 
Black Christmas, a Christmas story. So he did uh, no, looks exactly a lot of Bob Clark stuff. Yep. And he also worked in the camera and electrical department for Superman in 1978. Mm. Written and directed by Bob Clark, this movie was made as a Canadian tax shelter, basically. So we've told you about Bob Clark's history up until this point. Porky's is his return to this schlocky type of filmmaking. Uh, the initial idea was from Bob Clark. He began thinking about this idea in the early 70s uh, while making this movie called Breaking Point, which does eventually come out in 1976. During the making of that film, Clark becomes super sick with mono. And while sick in bed, he thinks, ah, Porky's. Porky's will, should be my next movie. Ah, Porky's. I can, I can picture it. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, yes. Porky's. I got it. Yes. I got, I got it. it. Write this down. Get my agent on the phone. So it's about him growing up in Florida and the five friends that he had at the time. Uh, Porky's is a real place, by the way. Porky's Hideaway, located in Oakland Park, Florida. I don't care. So he gets on the phone, dictates the script to Roger Swaybill, the co-writer for Breaking Point. Once it's finalized, they begin shopping it around Hollywood and every single studio turns them down. They're like, no, you know, we don't want to make this. I would probably guess it's because they read the script. <laughs> You just read the title and you're like, nah. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so, you know, there's, he has had a bit of success, like I was saying here before, doing these other films. He still thinks he wants to make Porky's. So, because he's been working in Canada a bunch of times, he's got some contacts there. So, he gets this financing company, the Astral Bellevue Pathé Company, to be specific, to get some financing for it. Now, it should be noted, this is a bit of a diversion. Spending way too much time on this. Yeah. I know. But this is the only fascinating thing about the making of this movie is because it is technically a Canadian film. It's a Canadian production. And to this day is the number one grossing Canadian film of all time. Shameful. Dave, if it is my dying accomplishment, I'm going to make a film that outgrosses Porky's (laughs) because I think it is a national embarrassment that Porky's is our number one. You have too much self-respect as much as I make fun of you. You'd have to make something shittier and grosser than this to engage the public as it is now. Here's a pitch, Dave. You know the script that we're trying to work on? Yes. What if it was just dicks? Just a bunch (laughs) of dicks everywhere. You you can't sell dicks yet, so it'd still have to be bare-breasted women, right? (laughs) We're not ready. Culture's not ready yet. For penis. Uh-huh. I'm always ready for digs, just to let you know. So this Astral Bellevue Pathé Company was Canada's largest radio broadcaster, that wasn't the CBC, would be at the forefront of premium television when cable started to come into Canada, so it owned Teletoon and a, bu- and a bunch of other stuff. But before that, it started off as a photo processing business, like where you would go and give your role and they mm-hmm. would process it for you. They got their jump start by being like the partner of Mon- the Montreal Expo in 1967. Nice. Basically, after a bunch of mergers and things, Black's Photography would uh, purchase their processing arm of it. So that's where it would eventually go. Bell Media Group would come in and buy the rest of their assets up. And the the company itself does not exist anymore. Remember Black's? That was a big thing. I do. It was good. It was was a big thing for a little while. So they get some financing from them. However, they need a little bit more money to get to that that $5 million of what they think they need. High budget production value that this piece of shit represents well, yes i mean not to give it too much credit but i will say at the very least it does look like a movie which is more than i can say for some other low budget stuff that i've seen um that's the only positive thing you'll hear in this entire episode to get the government grants from the canadian government they 
could not give Swaybell credit, writing credit, because there already was too many Americans on the project. So they had to kick somebody off. It was Swaybell who gets the boot. Although he does get paid a lump sum as an advisor to the movie, so I wouldn't feel too bad for him. Nobody feels bad for anybody on this production. This is a Canadian, in quotes, film, which is written and produced by Americans, shot in Florida, gets released to mixed reviews, but does, like we said, phenomenal at the box office. And from what I can gather, this article I don't quite believe, I I was doing some research here, is still the number one grossing movie made in Canada, worldwide. Funded by Canada, we should say. Funded by Canada. Yeah, that's, that's that's the asterisk. So this is why it's hard to find this information out, because it's like, there's movies that were shot in Canada, but are not technically Canadian productions, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So it's hard to figure this stuff out. But as far as I can still tell, there's still, there's still the number one grossing film. If we only look at box office in Canada, so like the Canadian box office without looking at America, there is technically one film that has outgrossed it, but not if you adjust it for inflation, which is Bone Cop, Bad Cop. I was going to say, it's got to be Bone Cop, Bad Cop, but which again, is actually a really good movie. And yeah. it didn't even come close, did it? Well, it, it it only slightly got more than it in Canada. But if you look at worldwide box office, no, nowhere near it. Like, it didn't even get anywhere near it. If you like Colin uh, Fuhrer, you should watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Colin Fuhrer is great. He's a great, great Canadian actor. This is the national shame of shame. Canada, is what shame. I'm trying to say. Like, we've... Adam McGuinn films are fucking weird. Cronenberg films are weird. Sarah Pauly. Can, can we not get Sarah Pauly to, like... Sarah Pauly, yeah. And none of them cr- scratch the surface on Porky's. This is why everyone should be going to see Women Talking then. Go and watch Women Talking, Sarah Polly's new film that's coming out right now. Nobody's going to watch and it. And we're going to get this to cross the $160 million no. mark if it's my no. dying wish. <laughs> no. You know why, Dave? Because the title is Women Talking. <laughs> oh, this is the question. They say candied asses twice in this movie. And I'm trying to figure out, do you think it's totally the Rock where The Rock got it from? Took it from, yes. or do you think it was a, just a term that existed outside I don't of this know. movie? Someone, some etymologist or something, someone's got a phraseologist has to know or may know. But as soon as I heard it, I was like, I'm disappointed in The Rock in general, right? Because he's such a cartoon character now, but uh, right, he's clearly a Porky's fan. It has to be, right? right? Like, I feel like he was like on the Calgary Stampeders bus or something like that like no we're gonna watch the best canadian film of all time porkies and then he's in his mind well if it made 160 million bucks every every uh jock boy growing up watched this fucking movie yeah and internalized it well this is what i i I guess again i don't know about if this originated it or not but just because it was so popular i'm sure it's one of the first things people had impressions of but like the bart simpson joke about phoning the bar and making up a name yeah, like mike hunt comes yeah. from this movie uh the busted headlights like oh it looks like you have a busted head like smash comes from this movie well, does that start here or is that's uh, not again i don't know that's don't gotta know be that, i mean but... i don't know i hope that that's just in a like rebel without a cause <laughs> please come from a better movie and not originate in this Although I suspect you're right, because this made $160 million. $160 million. Don't go and watch this movie. This movie is bad. I hated every second of watching it. $160 million. Here's the thing. I was preparing myself, and maybe I shouldn't have done this. Just knowing its reputation, there was a part of me that was like, I'm probably not going to enjoy this movie. I did not think I was going to have this violent of a reaction. I mean, like, I hated this movie. I hated this movie so much that I was like, I don't even have someone to blame. I guess I can blame the machine. You always blame me for watching bad movies. Like, well, this is, this is just myself that I get to blame for watching this stupid 
awful movie. And just to paraphrase uh, something that someone says in this movie, I'd rather be queer than like this movie. So, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. All right, let's wrap it up. We're almost at an hour recording time. This better be a 30-minute episode after your post-process. We're done here. So we, the machine has told us that we do have to wrap things up because uh, the machine hates this movie too, <laughs> but it was punishment for trying to... Not obeying. Uh, we're going to do Critics' Choice. Get this. Roger Ebert did not like this movie, but he gave it one and a half stars, mm, which I high. think is egregious. Yeah, it's pretty so he, he gave Fast Times at Ridgemont High one star. Well, he gave this... Anyways... <laughs> One star I'm fine with, because I didn't like Fast Times, but this should have been lower. Since this movie doesn't like women, its sex scenes all create fear and hostility, which prevents them from being funny. Even an easy scene, like the one where the guys spy on the girls in the locker room, the director, Bob Clark, blows it. Peeping Tom scenes can be very funny, remember John Belushi on the ladder in Animal House. Here, it's just smarmy. And then later on in the review, he writes, I see that I have neglected to summarize the plot of Porky's, and I don't think I will. I don't feel like writing one more sentence, which, to be sure, is all it would take. So that was his takedown of Porky's. Oh, in your face. Pauline Kiel, I don't think, reviewed this movie, although I didn't search too Shred hard on that one. Set fire to the theater. Yeah. Uh, so I went to Letterboxd, and I found a positive review nice. from Dot Mad Hack. Yeah, that sounds right. In these reviews, you'll find the most miserable people ringing about a sex comedy made well before the age of being offended. I'll admit though, watching this nowadays is kind of weird, but the comedy is solid. Someone mentioned this is the 80s version of American Pie, and that's so spot on. Can I just say, even though I'm like not the biggest American Pie fan, at least there's a plot and something that happens and characters that you can you know enjoy watching. Yeah, I mean, it didn't do poorly when we watched it, right? It was fine. Mm -hmm. This is a fucking dumpster fire so dave does this hold up and is it still culturally no, relevant no no half a star let's go uh i'm also a no no well we do need to rate this film of course but before we do that's what dave <laughs> and i thought what do you think uh you can send any feedback to kyle and dave vs the machine at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter or instagram with the handle kdvstm we also release videos on our youtube channel if you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given you can go to our letterboxd page that's letterboxd.com slash kdvstm and if you want to support us monetarily so that we can you know continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse you can go to our Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So you're saying uh, 0 0.5 is what you're giving to this, yeah, Dave? because we're not allowed to do zeros, as I learned over the last three years. So Yeah, I mean, you have given zeros a couple of times in the past. but oh, uh, yeah, zero. Well, I have to give it a 0.5 because, uh, I mean, with president as it is, Dave, I'm going to stick to the rules I have set out. You can stick to the rules you have set out for yourself. I'm giving you a 0.5, the lowest rating. This joins only five other films on Letterboxd that I have given a 0.5 to. Let me just point that out. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not a rating I give out all the time. I don't know if I've sufficiently said in this podcast how much I fucking hated watching this movie. <laughs> like, I really loathe this from start to finish. I didn't find anything redeeming of it. Don't go and watch it. This should be forgotten. Oh, I guess that, was, that should be the one last thing we just point out here. Yeah, you're stretching this out. Mm. No, no. The only reason <laughs> I'm bringing this up. So the Howard Stern bought the rights to Porky's. So the whatever the third sequel is, it's Pimpin' Peewee, I think is Jesus what the Christ. actual movie is called. Okay. Is um, ugh, There's a term that they use. Have you ever heard of like that Fantastic Four movie they made in the 80s or the early 90s? No. 
there is a movie called Pimpin' Pee-wee that you can go and watch, which is just Porky's again. The only reason it was made is so that he could continue having the rights to Porky's. It's one of those things where if a movie isn't made in no enough laps. time, then the studio loses the rights. Mm -hmm. Part of how Marvel got the rights back to the Fantastic Four, in fact, is Sony did not make a movie in time. That's where Porky's lives now in terrible direct-to-video sequels that nobody should watch either. I was going to watch all of them, by the way. I'm going to point this out. You've just added a minute to this recording for something nobody gives a shit about, Kyle. <laughs> Can I just say that maybe I'm growing some self-respect because I was going to watch all three sequels and I was like, no, 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 I can't. I just can't do it. All right. Well, let's push this button and see what we're watching here next week. <laughs> Dave, this is going to be the biggest whiplash this show perhaps is ever going to go through because we're going from Porky's, a piece of shit movie that no one should watch. Okay. We should probably rate this movie and put it into the list, but before we'll do that here in just a second. Next week, we're going to be watching... Fanny and Alexander, wow. an Ingmar Bergman film, which is considered one of the best movies of all time. So <laughs> the gulf between what we're talking about what could not be greater. fucking madman sets this schedule? Whoever decided the order in which these films would be viewed mm -hmm. needs to seek psychi psychiatric help, Kyle. I'm just saying, like, the anonymous author mm -hmm. of this journey we're on, yeah, should do some deep self-reflection as to why this film is even included in the omnibus of Kyle and Dave. It was the fifth grossing movie of, all, of, of 1982. <laughs> Dave, we don't have to do anything because with our scores, it's going to go dead last on our list. So it's going to enter our list at the number 44 position. You're welcome, right Luciano. Right below, right? yes, Giorgio and Death Wish 2. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, we have to do Fanny Alexander next week. Um, I don't know, make up some bullshit so we can wrap up this episode. We, uh, we, you know, so there's Didi Hess a, is doing something. Yeah, Didi Hess is... Apparently taking a shower. But you know what? I don't want to look because I have some self-respect. Let's just plug up this hole, Kyle. Just plug it okay, up. Okay, let's and do it. And not with your penis, please. Oh, God. I'm always ready for digs, just to let you know.